This episode of Band Basics is brought to you by The Listening Room Phoenix. Whether you're a musician passing through town or a local looking for the perfect place to drop that next release, The Listening Room Phoenix offers a boutique space crafted to achieve the best possible sound in an intimate setting. The Listening Room Phoenix is more than just a venue, however. Their state-of-the-art video and sound recording equipment can help you commemorate your live event with a live music video or audio recording. If you're looking to maximize the sound quality for a live EP or music video, or you just want to find the perfect spot for your next Phoenix gig, The Listening Room Phoenix can help. Head to thelisteningroomphoenix.com to learn more today. The Listening Room Phoenix. Performer-focused. Audience-approved. You're tuned into Band Basics, a Yabim podcast. I'm your host, Mark Anderson, from Yabim Music and Arts, the Arizona-based media outlet with new content daily and your Phoenix guide to music everywhere. Check us out online at yabimwest.com. My guest this evening is Ryan Avery. You may know him from such projects as Drunken Horny, Father's Day, his label, Related Records. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the third episode of Band Basics. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Um, we've had you on our radio show a couple times before, mm-hmm. but uh, this is obviously a chance to get more in-depth personally about, well, the myriad of things that yeah. you do. And so to get right into it, um, I guess I want to ask at the beginning how many musical projects you're currently a part of. Is it just Hi, My Name is Ryan right now? Or? Just Hi, My Name is Ryan right now. Okay. Yeah. And I, it's hard to imagine starting uh, a new band anytime soon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and is that in reference to the label that you run, Related Records? Uh, no, not particularly, but um, I do really enjoy focusing a lot of my creative energy on related records as opposed to uh, putting a lot of that into my own selfish creative outlets. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Which, by the way, I guess your latest release is, at least as of this recording, is the new Turquoise Noise album. Oh, yeah. Which that's pretty exciting because those guys are great. Yeah, it's really great. I I hope that uh, the album does really well, especially when they go on tour later this year oh great yeah excellent stopping through here i hope i believe so yeah they're going from uh oakland all the way to new orleans and back cool yeah um well you're here for a couple reasons i want to ask you much about um you know starting a label booking your own shows Mm -hmm. that you've done for years um but you're also sort of here to sort of guide uh, you know, young musicians, maybe musicians of all ages on okay. how to start a band, essentially. Yeah. And which which this podcast is called Band Basics. It's really yeah. it's really the beginning stages. Okay. So I, I definitely want to get into some of those most basic elements. So if any okay. of, of those come to mind amidst our conversation, please bring them up. I, well, um, I was talking with my friend L the other day. Uh, about how they want to they want to start a new band but they're really they're feeling a lot of like struggle with it because all the musicians they know are super talented and also the types of musicians that would just like they wouldn't want to keep it simple they'd want to like be too flashy for the type of thing that they want to do I see okay and uh, and that sucks uh <laughs> But but, um, also looking at other friends that are currently in newer bands or trying to start new bands, I'm I'm looking I'm like looking back at a lot of the different groups that I've been a part of, and and just seeing some like common threads. And the one that's most painfully obvious to me is like. It's really hard to make a band work with other musicians unless you all hang out outside of that band. <laughs> I see. Yes. And like if you all live together, oh, it's so easy and right. so fun to be in a band. Yes. If you work together, 
it's so easy and so fun to be in a band. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you like have a regular D and D campaign that you do on Wednesdays, you're like, let's just add another day where we practice in our band as well. Like yes. that works. But if it's like, I know these people, they're talented. I want to work with them. And you tell them that. And they're like, they may be flattered and they may be like, oh, okay, great. And you get together and you jam and you try to work together. It's like, that's it's just a... it's just like really it feels like a chore. Okay. You know, be, like especially as you get older because I don't know if you've noticed this as you get older like you don't just go to someone's house and hang out. Right. <laughs> you have right. to have a purpose for going there. It has to be like <sighs> dinner or like uh like I'm going to show you this thing. Yep. So come over and I'll show you this. You can't just like have a friend show up and be like, what are you guys doing? You want to hang out? You want to watch some cartoons? Those like, days are gone. No. And and if you happen to have a friend that does that, you're like, get the f- <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> like, I don't I have other things I want to do. Yeah. And, like, I, I still love you. I just don't want to just, you know. Can I curse here? Yes. I don't want to bullshit with you the entire day. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and so you're saying that can some that can happen if you're forming a band. Yeah. Just by finding folks, you know, yeah. folks you may not know personally before yeah. the band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, <clears throat> here's an example. Okay, so I was in this band for. Um, I don't know, three months, let's say. I think, yeah, we started at the beginning of May, and we broke up in July. Wow. And this is 2012, 2013. Anyway, the band was called Bald and Pissed, and it was me and two brothers, the Gleason brothers, and they hung out with me and my wife all the time because they had just moved to Phoenix and they were like, you're the only people we know and like. So right. we, we, they would like invite them over to like eat with us, hang out with us all the time. But it was like, we're still all adults. So it was, yeah, it wasn't like come over whenever <laughs> our doors always open. It was like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Are you, are you hungry? Let's eat. It was like that. Okay. But I was seeing them a lot. So it worked. Then my boss, Toby, who I was working at Tamiko. My boss was Toby Fatsinger, who's from Former Friends of Young Americans. Yes. He was in the band. He was BFFs with Masa, who later ended up drumming for Father's Day. Um, so the two of them were the drummers. And then uh, TK was the roommate for the Gleason boys. So it worked because we all saw each other on a regular basis outside of this band me and the gleasons came up with the concept of bald and pissed like let's write songs from the perspective of a guy who shaved his head to look cool but he doesn't look cool and now his life is ruined (laughs) and so we brought that up to all of you know our other friends who all happen to you know be musicians and uh and they were all like yes let's do that let's do this band and it worked and we wrote like a dozen songs in a dozen weeks, you know, and then right before our first gig, the Gleason brothers were like, I don't know if I want to do this band. Uh, dang. And so we didn't do anything. Um, yeah, because I, I have never heard of that project of yours, and I try to keep myself apprised <laughs> yeah. of what the latest and well, greatest of Ryan Avery. So. We recorded... Some of our band practices, and I put my favorite recordings on the Hi, My Name is Ryan band camp. Oh, okay. Um, but that's the last, like, organically started band that I've done. Right. <laughs> and I've tried to start other bands since then, and it's been like, I'll meet someone, I see them perform with another band, and I'm like, I think you're really talented, I think you're really great. Let's work together. Sure. And it takes forever to get together. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you, you know, you show them some songs and they're like, hey, okay. Oh, I don't know. 
they show you some songs and you're like, eh, okay. Yeah. Or you're like, cool, yeah, this works, cool, yeah, let's do this. And you're both pumped, but it's still like, uh, what's your schedule right. like? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, like, it, there's weeks between practices. And it's yeah. just, like, Whereas, it's tough. Yes. And <laughs> in the past, here here's the situation I, I had been in the past, whereas – one band just sort of led into another. Yeah. I, I don't know if you were ever in that situation where like, oh, this person moved away from this band. Now we've just sort of slightly changed. And oh, now we're this man. Oh, now this guy took up. Okay, so let's slightly change again. And we yeah. keep, keep going as different sort of bands. That kept me in bands for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so, but again, that's as a younger as a younger man. And, um, and like you, you started your conversation with, the, the easy ways – to be in a band is yeah, living together, working together. If you have that yeah. going on and you're in a band, good, roll with and, that. You know what else makes being in a band easy is if you don't have anyone to take care of but yourself. Like if you don't have any pets, if you don't have a significant other. It's true. It's true. You could be in a band forever. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of my close friends have this sort of lifestyle and, and there's a part of me that's like, man, that's so cool. I want that so bad. But there's another part of me that's like, I can tell like how lonely you are. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that's also a part of why you're able to continually write such great music is because you have this constant pain. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, yeah, this is all true. Uh, although I, I just have to say there are you do find sometimes the couple that's in a band together. That does happen. I don't like band. You, I don't like couple bands. Don't, okay. I, Never there's no exception. They can for make you? great music and I won't deny that it's great music, but it what bums me out is there just always comes points in couple bands creative process where they're sacrificing the creativity for their significant other which is fine and i get it and it's totally sweet but at the same time it's like just treat it like uh treat it like it's something professional and not <laughs> like not like a fun like i don't know Andrew Jemsek taught me something that I really appreciated when um, the first two founding uh, first two founding members of Father's Day quit because uh, it hurt me a lot. It was like I don't want to continue if it's going to hurt them, and I also feel weird about continuing this project without them since they were such a big important part of it. Mm -hmm. And Andrew's like. I've been in so many more bands than you. <laughs> and like, yeah, it sucks, especially when it's something that you're doing with your best friends and they are no longer wanting to participate in it. But you got to look at it like professionally if it's something that you want to continue no matter what. Right. And if they can't look at it professionally, like, well, then like, fuck them. Um, yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I don't really want to dig into that any deeper, but it, it it's made it a lot easier to be in other bands and be like, this isn't working with you. Right. <laughs> so let's stop. Or this isn't working with me. So I'm going to quit Walk right away. now yeah. mm -hmm. because it's, yeah. And, and I'm not going to feel bad if you continue and you shouldn't feel bad if we continue. Right. Right. Like, because it's not a, Especially with a band like Father's Day where it's not – like, it's just about the concept. It's not about the people. The, the, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I guess, I guess I'm just curious then, too, as to your thoughts on, uh, on essentially boiling down a band to just the one lead person in that band – and then they may play as them just themselves or with a rotating cast of right. musicians uh, throughout the, the years or albums. You know, they may purposely switch for each project that they do. I'm just sort yeah. of curious if, if 
you, what your thoughts are on that or if you've ever even been a, a part of a project that has done that. Uh, uh, did Father's yeah. Day end up kind of being that? No? Well, Father's... I refuse to do Father's Day without Andrew. Okay. Um, I know that it could happen without Andrew, with just me and someone else who gets the hee-hees right. over writing songs about <laughs> right. angry dad stuff. But, yeah. like, Andrew and I work so well together with writing songs. We understood each other in such a way where i've used this example a, a lot of times when people ask about our process oh <laughs> i would like write a song which is essentially just like four to eight lines <laughs> and then i'd be like you know that one black flag album that's like you know, with like Ronnie Ray's singing, and he'd be like, "I know exactly," and I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, you know how to do," and he'd he'd do exactly what I'm thinking, oh, just off of like those few things, uh, yeah. and I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah." So, so like I'm imagining that, but like you know, here I'm gonna sing it, and he'd go, "Oh, I know exactly," and I'd be like, "Oh," and the rest of the band would be looking at us like, "What the fuck? Like, how did they just do that?" How did you just write a song oh, man. like that? And then he would be like, you know what this needs? This needs this. And then he'd like do some sort of solo and everyone would be like, that's it. And we'd all just be like, hooray, we wrote another hit. And that's how Father's Day cranked down all those albums. That's how we cranked out so many songs. Man, that's incredible. Yeah, I okay. So yeah, I mean, he's been your songwriting partner on multiple projects and obviously with Drunk and Horny too. Yeah, I mean, and Drunk and Horny... Uh, Drunk and Horny wasn't really going to be a thing. We just, um, him and I both had our own sets of songs that we liked performing solo. And, um, our friends and Andy Hiller and, uh, Jeremy Finch were both big supporters of what we did. And they were like, hey, we're, they owned the dressing room at the time. Oh, okay. And they were... They were like, hey, we should, we really want to record you and Andrew's songs. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and and so we would, uh, it was, we were all working together. Here's another example of that. Oh, right. All four of us worked together at Tamiko at the time that we started this project. So we would finish a shift where we all worked together, walk down the street to dressing room, uh. and then play music until like one or two in the morning. None of us had real responsibilities, really. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it just worked out. And I wrote the song Drunken Horny, which I think is our, probably our grossest song to date. Like, I hated playing it live, but it also fit with the personalities that we were, like, creating as we wrote together and uh, would play each other's songs together. And... And then one day we were like, we were like uh, Andrew was like, I'm drunk. And I'm like, and I'm horny. We're drunk and horny. Uh, and yeah. No, I can't be your friend. I can't be your friend. I can't be your friend because you don't make friends. You network and I. Um, well, that I, I, I gotta say, you you do have a great knack, I think, for making um, memorable uh, names. That pe- oh, drunken, you. you know, drunken horny Father's Day. Yeah. Um, Locking your car doors. <laughs> uh, bald and pissed. Bald and pissed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so I guess I'm just sort of curious. Uh, um, were all these ideas yours, or uh, did you pick them from? a multitude of ideas that you had floating around or, you know, what do you feel are important elements for choosing band? I feel that's a great place to start for, for bands, you know, picking that ever important name, you know? Oh yeah. Um, every band that I've been in has like kind of a different story about how the name was chosen, but you know that it's right when everyone feels good about it. Good, good to know. Yeah. Um, if one person's kind of hesitant, maybe that like then that's just not don't it. do it. Okay. Just don't do it. It's there's so many possible names that you could do, mm-hmm. and so it's not worth it if someone's like, eh, I don't know. You can always use it later for a later band. Like, 
I, <laughs> did you know that <laughs> Frank Black's first band was the Pixies? <laughs> um, like that's the first thing he did with other people. I I guess I did not know that. I right. mean, I wouldn't have. I guess I never had thought. But I guess. Okay. I, yeah. Here's the point. You're not going to be Frank Black. <laughs> Frank Black is a, is a is an oddity. That that's the first band. And pretty much only band he's ever oh, done. And then it, 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 yeah. it, it gets the success. That right. It get, right. Okay. I would say 99.999% of the time, you're going to have other bands. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I didn't think about it yeah. that way before, but yes, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, so don't worry if you're like, oh, but this name was so much better. Like, who cares? Use it later if you want. If everyone in the band doesn't feel good about it, don't choose it. <laughs> I, I, that's a good one. Or you'll regret it. Yes, because it might eat its way out in other ways later on. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm just trying to trying to rein in the band resentment, I guess, any yeah. way you can. I, I I suppose as time goes on, just um I mean Father's Day was a band for over 10 years, I believe, right? Yeah, so, almost 15 years. I mean, wow. <laughs> to to just keep a band going that long. I know you had yeah. some different members, but still. Yeah. yeah. Uh that 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 takes a lot of work. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. It I feel like um Outside of the first two lineups, even though there's other people that were in the band that I really liked and other musicians that were in the band that were so talented and really made the band so much better, um, outside of the first two lineups, it felt like a chore unless we were writing new music. Mm. (laughs) But, like, we... I just hated practicing and Andrew hated practicing <laughs> and most, I think that energy really fed off like, everyone else that would join the band. We'd teach them the songs and then they'd be like, Oh, I need to practice more. And we'd be like, damn it. No, I don't want to. Pra- Aren't these songs easy? Just, we'll just do them. We'll just play them live and you'll learn as you go. To, uh, to accentuate that point. <laughs> Um, my uncle has been in the tubes for for forty five years. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, they they, as far as I know, just just meet up to play shows these days. Yeah, they played so many shows. They... When was the last time they wrote anything new? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I guess at some point, if you stay in the yeah. band long enough, you do just you do just you do just play. Yeah, you do just play the shows. Yeah. and like see you at the next one. Yeah, because uh, everyone everyone eventually does sort of get their own lives. Yeah. I, I gotta admit, there's nothing like living with the band you play in, and then, of course, many of you, if not all you, are working at the same job. And yeah, that is just a, a totally unique experience. And, it's a, yeah, and, and and I don't want to say that's the best launching point for a band, but it's one of the easiest. I would have to think. I think it's the most organic, mm-hmm. and I think organic is what a lot of people really want. Yes, out of, it's not necessarily what I want out of a band, but mm-hmm. it's something. From talking to people, something that I like to ask musicians as I'm getting to know them is what is your ideal band to be in? Like, oh. if you could be in the perfect band for you, what would you want it to be like? And I've heard from multiple people, I want to be in a band that it pretty much falls together like Nirvana. Like, it's just me and my friends making loud music, and then everyone loves it. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's pretty ideal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, that's probably never going to happen. Right. Um, there are real... Like, you're. Re- it's so incredibly rare for an artist to be famous, especially Nirvana famous, unless they have funding. So if you're not wealthy... Like, just get used to it being a hobby. Sorry. Yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I mean, no kidding. We receive hundreds of submissions every day here. Yeah. Radio. I mean, there's no joke about that. It takes yeah. a lot of tenacity 
you know, especially in this day and age, I, I, I go back and forth in the idea of like, oh, there's always been tons of bands, mm-hmm. uh, but I think obviously they're just all now much more accessible than ever. Oh and, yeah, and we have all of past history's music totally accessible to listen to too, along with everything new that's coming out. <laughs> you know, it's I go back and forth on it being a much easier or much harder time to be a musician and trying to make it in what we call the music industry. Well, yeah, and. Something, something else. I, I had this conversation with Mark and Sean from AJJ uh, a couple weeks ago. It, it's almost like it's never going to be the same. Right. Every artist that had a radio hit up until the point that radio died, like right. in the early two thousands. They're godfathered into success for yeah. the rest of their lives. As long as they can get play and tour, they're yeah. They're yeah. if they even just had one hit. Oh, like and people, it just gets played on the radio. Yeah, forever. They're yeah. they're set. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's not going to happen again. Like even even with bigger artists like like Justin Bieber, for example, right? Aside from Baby, <laughs> you know Justin Bieber's had like. Over a dozen hits, but I can't tell you any of them. It's and I can't. I think true. most people feel the same way, even if they are with the like on top of what's happening with pop music. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to tell you what those other hits are because radio is dead. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> no kidding. So much new music to me comes through apps, you know. Yeah. Quite honestly, be it Bandcamp or Spotify, suggestions from both that I just delve into. Like that's so often where yeah. new music comes from. Yeah, and so you really have to rely on cool people liking your music, <laughs> and those cool people <laughs> like telling other people about your music. For you to even get to that first step of being like, this band's worth listening to. Right, Because right. the cool people told me <laughs> that they're worth it. Which the cool people are not always want to do. So. No, cool people don't want to do that. Cool people are like, I can't be bothered with like telling people about what's cool. But... But that's what makes it so extra cool. Oh, absolutely. Is, is, when, is when the cool people say, oh my gosh... Have you heard this band? I think last time I spoke to you, I felt that way about Sailor Poon. I still feel that way about Sailor oh, Poon. Oh, excellent. People are like, what are you into right now? I'm like, Sailor Poon. I, believe- like, I just want them to be the biggest band right now. I believe there was also Maximum Roach. You were hyping them, Oh, too. Maximum Roach. <laughs> They've only played two shows, but they. it was so refreshing. At the Indy 500, Maximum Roach... And uh, RoboCop Hole were so incredibly refreshing and just like, yes, please. These bands need – but I'm not – I don't think I'm one of the cool people. (laughs) (laughs) Because people are like, oh, this guy's like still really amped on, you know, ska music. So (laughs) – How can we take him seriously? You can't take him seriously (laughs) if he's still listening to – you're still wrapped up in that? Oh, yeah. man. That's that's some good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Now that we're getting into the second half of the show, I wanted to focus in on um, some more of uh, the sub- specifics of uh, why we asked you down here. And that is um, running your own label and booking your own shows, which is something you've done quite extensively mm-hmm. over the years. I mean, if Father's Day has been a band 15 years, you've been doing it at least 15 years. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah. I could I could think longer than that possibly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I I guess just even where to begin with that is related records your first label that you've done or have you done other labels before that? No, related records is my first label okay. that I've done. I I uh, I overcomplicated it in my mind for so many years. I knew that it was something that I wanted to do, but in my mind I was like oh, I just need. I don't know how I could ever do this because mm. I, I need lots of money to, to do it. And it's like, well, that's partly true, but like not entirely true. And I went to school for music business. And during my second year, it just hit me like I've pretty much been running a label my whole life or like preparing to run a label my whole life. 
with self-releasing music myself yes. and helping my friends release music. So uh, I just decided next thing that I do, I'm just going to say that it's part of this label and just go from there. <laughs> right. Um, I, I guess I could be more specific in saying that um, Related Records focuses a lot more on DIY bands and projects. Oh, yeah. and And just like you made mention before the show, uh, not even all of your music is licensed to ASCAP or BMI. So yeah, none of it is. Yeah, we're talking yeah. we're talking punk rock stuff here. We're talking like <laughs> underground. Get your music out there. What are you doing with your life? Kind of yeah. stuff. Which which I think is amazing because I think more and more music is just being released that way these days. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I, I I couldn't say if it's a majority of it or not. There's just so much music out there, but uh, quite a lot of it, especially with what we feature on our site, is yeah, you know, completely self-released stuff or small label stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's just the nature of things these days. Um, so uh, related records is going on its fifth year. Is that... It's yeah, it's in its. Actually, started in 2013. Okay, yeah. So we just, we're now starting the sixth year. Oh, okay, yeah. So you just had your fifth anniversary. <laughs> just had our fifth anniversary. I should really put up a a compilation <laughs> of, of the fifth year. Well, you do but, like to release compilations, yeah. free yeah. compilations, which I think is a great idea. It Thank helps you. get the music out there. You yeah, know, and the artists that are on your label out there, mm-hmm. and so I definitely think that is wise. Um, yeah, so uh, kind of like what you were alluding to, you had been essentially preparing, practically doing a label for just your own music this whole time. Mm-hmm. So then it just comes to a point where, oh, here are bands that I like. Yeah, let me see if I can release their music. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and um, going to school for music business really, really helped me understand what the music industry was going through it's something that you kind of have to keep up with constantly right but i i like what it's going through right now even though it's sad yeah <laughs> it's, oh my it, gosh. i just i just i don't know i i mean maybe i should go to therapy to figure this out but i really just love when things that are successful crumble <laughs> Blockbuster? <laughs> Blockbuster, love it. I cannot wait when Amazon dies. I cannot, like, oh, to- hearing about Toys R Us closing was just like, yes. Oh, man. I love it. I'm so happy. I want to, yeah. yeah, seeing McDonald's close all over. I mean, I know McDonald's is still around, but seeing them close instead of up here. Oh, it brings me so much joy. And so even though I'm a part of this machine that's making music and producing music and releasing music, and it's real hard and shitty right now, <laughs> yeah. I'm still like, that's great. <laughs> that's so great. Let's just keep it poor. Yeah. <laughs> keep it struggling. Um yeah. I was reading about Iggy Pop and uh, even the Ramones and stuff. And even back then when they were first getting signed to labels, like punk rockers like that, get, getting toured around in limos and doing mm-hmm. stuff. And it was just like, I can't believe. It's hard to imagine a way in w- how the music industry was before the, the oh. great fall. It was oh, just- yeah. I was just talking to James Fella about this last, like literally last night. He was like, what is going on where, um, like... I don't know, not even five years ago, he could put out an LP for a band like Z's and sell a thousand copies in less than a year. And now, or like John Weiss or Sissy Spacek, like how can like, it's just changed. So like, it's constantly be going down, but like in the last two years, it's changed so drastically where it's like, He's making runs of 300 of things because he knows he's not going to be able to sell more than that. Oh, man. Of things in the same genre, in the same realm. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks. But at the same time, like, I don't know. It's kind of like, I also think it's kind of cool uh, and great. But 
I don't know if it's a good thing to say that. I know that a lot of it just has to do with that type of scene growing up. And that's this is true. Um, and now there's other things that are taking its place right. that are much more successful. Like, I mean, like, um, I don't know, Jeff Rosenstock still sells records really well, I uh, think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but but that's not nearly in the same vein as, like, you know, experimental sure. music. So, Yeah. I'm, it's weird. Yeah, I, I guess I'm curious as far as the label, as, uh, the type of label you run specifically. Yeah. How how do you feel about the types of releases do you do? Do you do you put out a single first of a of a of an album you're about to release or, or something, and then or or do you like EPs more than LP, or is it just all up to the band's discretion? How how do you go about sort of promoting songs into albums? I. Don't like singles, but I understand singles. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like them, so I don't do them. <laughs> so, yeah, even on a related records release, yeah. like on Bandcamp, it's not going to be on there with just a single that's available at first. It's going to no. be all, the whole album or not, all or nothing. Yeah. I Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why I, is that, I guess? I just, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, have, I haven't really thought about it. I just know the way I feel. Um, I know that in the 60s and 70s, it was a lot more album-based. Sure, of course. Especially in radio, it was like, we're we're just going to focus on this new Pink Floyd album. You got whole sides of records, right. That rules. That is so amazing. Right. (laughs) I mean, I wish we could do that these days. People don't have the attention span. No. Um... And I think it's just just me longing for a time I never got. (laughs) So... Why young people are obsessed with cassette tapes? Is that yeah. the same thing? Maybe not. Um, <laughs> you you released well most of it, all of your releases on on cassette tape as well. Not all of okay. them. Okay, but most of them have been on cassette. Um, yeah, I'm saying cassette tape. Wow, showing my yeah. age there. <laughs> most of them have been on cassette, and that's mostly up to the bands. Okay, and, and also what I can afford. I know. Th- there's been a handful of releases where the artist is like, hey, I'd really like to do this as like a seven inch instead. And I'm like, well, I can't afford a seven inch. Okay. Do you, can you help <laughs> afford a seven inch right. and we could do it together? And they're usually like, no. Oh, so cassettes like, are less than vinyl. Much less than oh, vinyl. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do, you could do a hundred cassettes for... After shipping, less than three hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Which you know, which breaks down to like two bucks and change per right. cassette. That's pretty cheap for per unit. Yeah, which is great. Um, if you do vinyl, you're looking at at least a thousand dollars, even if you're doing a hundred. Wow. Okay. Um, it gets cheaper the more you do, definitely, sure. uh, and very significantly, especially once you go over three hundred, and then five hundred, and then a thousand mm. units. But if you're not going to sell all of those, it, I mean, that sucks. So don't get stuck yeah. with dead stock. Uh, yeah. And is, is what my opinion is. Even if that cuts the cost down for everything significantly. Right. Um, I'd much rather end up spending like $8 a unit <laughs> to like, than being stuck with hundreds of records. Right, because yeah, yeah, it comes to the point where yeah, no one might know about that album, and then it's just sitting around. Or the band could break up. Yeah, or the band breaks up. Oh man, and yeah. then you're just sitting on stock, right? Yeah, and and that goes as far as a label or a band, just yeah. a band carting around your own stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I friggin' hate it when bands <laughs> record and release an album and then immediately break up. It makes me so mad. Um, I guess I, I'm curious, moving into more uh, 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 different re- legal realms here, I'm just curious about cover songs and h- how you feel about cover songs and, and what if you have any parameters of choosing the right cover song. But that leads me into my next question, which is kind of related, kind of completely 
separate in in that is have you ever received a cease and desist or have you ever uh, uh, had to give one out sometimes I just (laughs) those questions correlate in my mind because you know you might cover someone's song on the internet and then someone contacts you and says please take this down I don't know no that's great this is all great questions (laughs) so I feel like unless you're doing a tribute performance if you're going to cover a song, you should make it your own. You shouldn't try to make it sound like the original at all. Gotcha, yes. Um, I am so severely disappointed when bands do that, especially when it's bands that I like. Okay. And then I'm like, I kind of don't like you know. Um, uh, a great example is the Blue Meanies, who are one of my favorite bands. Oh, covering up Ivy? What? Oh, maybe Oh, yeah, yeah. Their cover of Op Ivy is fantastic. Yeah. But their cover of... um, uh, Oh, Motorhead? Yeah, Motorhead. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Come on, guys. Uh, Try a little... The Turtles was okay, too. Yeah, the Turtles was okay. There's nothing like that Op Ivy song, Yeah, no, no. They did such an amazing job (laughs) with yelling in my ear. The Aquabats, any cover the Aquabats have done, they're also one of my favorite bands. Fantastic! I'm so proud of you guys. They're up <laughs> Ivy cover. I'm so oh, yeah. I'm knowledge. S- I'm yeah. so proud of them. Totally. They're a cover of the Scottalites. So proud of them. <laughs> They're a cover of Devo. I'm so proud of you guys. Um, but then at the same time, they're uh, the songs that they've covered of Oingo Boingo. It's like you guys aren't trying at all. You guys just <laughs> like Oingo Boingo, so you're just you're just playing an Oingo Boingo. Right now, song. you're an Oingo Boingo cover man. Right. Is that what happened? Yeah. And I think that the Aquabats don't care, and that's also a big part of why I like them is they don't. Sure. It feels like ninety percent of the time they do not give a shit about their fan base. They just doing what they want to do. They're just doing what they want to do and hoping that the fan base will eat it up. Do you know about their uh, cover set of the – they covered The Cure? No. Okay. Quick side tyrant. Please. Tangent. Okay. So they did this, uh, like, punk rock cruise thing with a bunch of other Warp Tour type bands. Wow. Okay. And it happened during the week of Halloween. And all the bands were asked to do, like, a three- to five-song cover set of a dead band. Oh. And the Aquabats said, we're going to do The Smiths. And then they all come out dressed as Robert Smith and do Cure songs. (laughs) And uh, from what I've heard, uh, most of the people in the audience had no idea it was the Aquabats and were so confused. Because I mean, they were without in, the masks, how can yeah. you tell, right? Well, yeah, and they were also introduced as the Smiths. <laughs> they come out and do Love Cats. But then they enjoyed doing it so much, and they're friends with a Morrissey cover act in L.A. And so they asked them, like, hey, could we open up for you oh, wow. doing this cure thing that we do? And... They sold out the show real quick, <sighs> full of Aquabat fans who are so hopelessly devoted to this band who doesn't give a shit about them most of the time. And the Aquabats just did a straightforward, no ha-has, no jokies, we're just playing <laughs> The Cure, and we're all dressed like Robert Smith. That's... And everyone was just like, <laughs> dumb, like, just like, what happened? Why did I get so excited for this? <laughs> That's pretty amazing, though. But yeah. only only in uh, in afterthought. You know, it would be one thing to think if you're actually going there to see them and then you see that. that oh, yeah. Um, boy, that's For pretty sure. funny. So I guess into the second part of the question then, uh, so nothing you've ever done like cover-wise or anything. I mean, you've done a lot of music and a lot that's of true. well out there sort of music and yeah. and, and never never contacted by anyone over the years. I've only I've gotten multiple seasons. Oh, you have. Okay. Letters, but not for covers. No, no. Okay, okay. It all had to do with uh this um anti-festival that uh, my friends and I used to do called the real Coachella oh. that we, we would do during the other Coachella that happens in uh, California. Yes, yes. And every year we'd, we would, <laughs> we'd ask, we'd come up with a list of bands. There was always three or four of us on the like committee 
right? And we would all submit names for bands that we wanted to have play. And we try to narrow it down to like 10 or less, like real bands. And we would, if, if we had a system that was like, if all of us aren't in agreement that this band should play, then we'd, they just won't play. We won't ask them. Um, so we'd ask that list of bands, and then we'd have a list of backups in case some of those bands wouldn't work out. And with each one of those bands, we'd say, hey, if you want to take the name of one of the bands that's playing the other Coachella, and do you could do whatever you want. We just like you as an artist, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, so you can do that, you know. And so every year we'd have these bands, and then we'd put, like, you know, the first – the first time was the uh, Iggy Pop when we had we didn't get a cease and desist from Iggy Pop, but we had people that were like, "Is Iggy Pop really playing <laughs> yeah. in Arizona?" And we're like, "Yeah, Iggy Pop's totally playing in Arizona." Uh, but it was you know it's just a noise uh, band. But then um, the first one that I got a cease and desist one was uh, from the Scissor Sisters. Oh, they they didn't like that. <laughs> That we had an act called the Scissor Sisters, um, or their people. Someone didn't like it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who whoever didn't represents like it. them. And there was actually someone who showed up to the show for the Scissor Sisters. Oh wow! And they wait. I don't know how they showed up. Paid five dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and saw the other acts that we had performing. And still thought the Scissor Sisters were going to play. Yeah. And then the Scissor Sisters ended up being like a drone, like a 10-minute drone <laughs> with like candles and white face paint. Um, and like, uh, I, anyway, and they were like, this isn't the Scissor Sisters. I want my money back. And uh, it was at the old trunk space and stuff was like, okay, here's your $5, dude. Glad you stuck around for half the day. Anyway, um, the specials, people got mad about the specials, um, which ended up being a sex... No, the specials ended up being a karaoke sing-along of special songs, so that's probably the most illegal. Wow, the closest one. The closest yeah. one. Paul McCartney, people got really upset about that, oh, but that ended up being just a Sex Pistols cover act. Um, I guess I'm sort yeah. of curious. What do you do with all these cease and desist? Do you just collect them or burn just, them or just? It was it was always just like an angry written email from someone. Mm, okay, and I would just ignore them. Okay, <laughs> and my thought process: this isn't the best. Like I don't encourage anyone else to do this, but my actually I have encouraged other people to do this. But you're not my, now. I'm not now. My thought process is. I'm not going to make any money. Right. If they come after me, all I have to do is be like, look at all the money that was made from the show went directly to the venue and to paying these acts. I've made zero. In fact, I've lost money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not benefiting from using your artist's name. You like, get bent. Right. If you're really going to like hire a lawyer to come after me, like, go ahead. Uh, you're you're not going to get anything because I have nothing. I grew up on the music that you worship. Um, which I guess sort of. That, that segue of, of booking those shows sort of, well, just sort of carries us into sort of the last segment I want to talk with you about, and that is booking booking these shows. I mean, mm-hmm. so with all the shows you've booked over the years, if you've broken even, that, that'd be good. That'd be a good thing? Is that where you're at? Is that kind of what you're saying? Or I... <laughs> booking shows, I feel like, should always be a labor of love. Uh, I feel like, and I know many people disagree with me, and if they hear this, they'll be like, I fucking hate Ryan for feeling that way because I'm a promoter and I'm important. But you're not. You're working off of, you're gaining money off of the backs of hardworking musicians and venue owners. You All you're doing 
You're maybe making a flyer. Most of the time, you're hiring someone else to make a flyer. You're showing up. You're saying, okay, you go here, you go here, you go here. You wait. You take money. And then maybe you pay the band's money. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of the idea where the the whole trope of the sleazeball promoter comes from. Yeah. If if you're... Who are the really well? I don't want to say I see. I feel there are some good music promoters in town. I don't think this. Yeah, town there's is... some that do a good job, but I think most of the time they suck. Still, <laughs> they're not like you should just be like. And here's so when I used to book shows, I would give all the money that I made to the touring act. And if there was no touring act, which I don't like to book local only shows, but on the rare occasion that it was one. I would give, I'd split it up to whatever artists were there at the end of the night. Um, and sometimes it was just like, here's $5, dude. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't take any of it home. Sometimes if I spent a lot of money promoting the show, I would take the money back that I spent on promoting, but I'd never was like, I'm going to make a profit off of this bad boy. Right. Okay. Um, and then. Uh, I think it was like the second or third time that Father's Day played with Quintronimus Pussycat. Um, we were playing at the Crescent Ballroom. And this was also like the first year that the Crescent Ballroom was open. And mm-hmm. I know that they take good care of all of their acts that play there now. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Quintron got his money. I don't remember what his guarantee was. Like probably like. I don't know, $300, $400 or something like that. And after his set, he said, did they give you any money? And I said, no, why would they? We're the right. opening act. We're right. the local support. And he goes, in New Orleans, everyone gets paid. And then he went back, <laughs> took out, I don't I don't remember how much he gave us. I think he gave us like 100 bucks. That's amazing. And he was just like, here, <laughs> what you're doing is important. You're putting like heart and energy and like, time and money into what you're doing so you deserve money every gig you play right and so now pretty much aside from the indy 500 every gig that i've booked (laughs) i'm like okay here's at least gas money for the touring band i hope i make more than that but then every single opener is going to get something. And most of the time, the local acts will be like, like, you're handing me 10 bucks, just give it to the touring act, which is amazing. But still, everyone, like, he's absolutely right. Everyone should be making money. Um, Ideally, yes. (laughs) Ideally, yeah. Yeah. And if if you as the promoter have to lose money to make sure everyone gets money, then you should lose money. Because right. you're either not doing a good job or, like, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I definitely think this town has uh, um, a different a different approach to to bands and shows some that some other towns might not necessarily have. Yeah, uh, as far as expectations of bands or or what bands expect, it seems like it seems like band spec expect the absolute little yeah as possible yeah. in this town and 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 promoters know that or it's just that's just the way it's always been for for people and promoters so it just it sort of seems like that stigma and i think that's maybe breaking a little bit but for it seems like that's just still a big stigma in this town i would say mm-hmm. unfortunately so i don't yeah i don't know who started it but I, yeah. I hope they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So I, I guess then one of the final questions I like to ask uh, each of our guests that has appeared on this podcast, and especially uh, coming from the fact that, you know, all, all the shows that you booked, the, the, the bands that you play in uh, are definitely a labor of love. You're doing mm-hmm. it for the music, for the art, absolutely, first and foremost. I'm just sort of curious – uh, do you have a day job then, and what is that? And have you had different ones over the years to facilitate your different artistic careers? And uh, and and just how? Because I, I think it's a balance between both sometimes, especially if you're not 
playing the seven days a week sort mm -hmm. of cover gigs because there's people that are in bands that do the oh, cover yeah. gigs for things and then they go do acoustic sets here and then they play in their own band one night yeah uh, you know and I, so I'm just sort of curious about about that other aspect of being able to to do the musical endeavors that you want to do um most of my uh career of job jobs has been in uh dessert and coffee oh okay and food um either like never really making it unless it is coffee i was the coffee lead for uh, Vovomina for a number of years, but mostly just serving and um, being a cool guy about it. Right, right. I like, I love working at, or I love working at places where they kind of encourage you to be a snob nice. about things. Yes. <laughs> I think if you're, especially if you're like uh, opinionated or, uh, if you're a creative person, it feels good to be like, <laughs> wait, hold like, on, like just just that, just to be in a place where you don't have to be like, oh yeah, everything's <laughs> yeah. great, yeah, like or I don't know, I could talk about that forever. Anyway, uh, but now I work for um, I work for Square, and I help oh, okay. people build websites for Weebly. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I work for Weebly, but Weebly just got acquired from Square. Oh, so. okay. Excellent. Yeah. And so, yeah, do you find that, well, I guess I guess you yourself are in a different phase of the music career business than you ever really have been in before uh -huh. in, in some way now. So I, I had just wanted to sort of ask how, how, how one can facilitate the other, but now with just things in transition for you, I, I mean, I... You know, I, I guess I'm sort of at a loss if if it's still if it's still uh, necessarily the same as all you know the the myriad of bands you were in before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rephrase the question. I guess I guess because <laughs> now you're focusing on how my name is Ryan. Yeah. Does 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 the I, I guess see I'm just curious about how people's day jobs are able to afford the kind of musical lifestyle that they want to have oh and yeah so since i guess now that you're only doing hi my name is ryan it's not exactly the same thing of of, of no. the stuff you were doing before so no. i don't know if that question is as um yeah i just practice in the car <laughs> on my way to and from work i'm doing a i'm doing a, a tribute set to Wildman fisher can i tell you a cute story about Wildman fisher? please do okay so uh do you know much about him? I don't. Okay, okay. So Wildman Fisher is a is a outsider artist who is a paranoid schizophrenic. He got kicked out of his house. He got kicked out of school. He got he went in and out of mental institutions like his whole life. Wow. Ended up being homeless on the street and singing songs for uh for a dime. That's what he'd say. You want to hear a new kind of song for a dime? People would give him a this was in the 60s too. So people would give him a dime and then he'd sing like a short song for him. And uh Frank Zappa discovered him on the street oh, and wow. was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's brilliant. I want to like produce an album for him." And at the time Frank Zappa, you know, was working with Warner Brothers, I think it was. He had his own label but under Warner Brothers. And they were like, you can do whatever you want. You're Frank Zappa. Yeah. Uh, and so he put out uh, a double LP. A double LP. Of, of Wildman Fisher's music, um, which is mostly acapella. And and the way that he sings is like, it's kind of a, kind of a shriek. Shriek isn't the right word. Um, this is, this would be a good, place to put in like a sample of Wildman <laughs> yeah. Fisher. So that way you, you have a, a good understanding. Anyway, so uh, without getting too into that, too much into his history with Frank Zappa because it ended very badly. Oh no. Frank, uh, Wildman Fisher was under the impression that he was going to be like a big famous rock star because Frank Zappa was a big famous rock star and Frank wow. Zappa thought that he was special and uh, he was also kind of encouraging that sort of thought because Wildman Fisher's like, I want to be bigger than the Beatles. And, and Frank Zappa's like, you are bigger than the Beatles. Oh, and, um, but then of course, like it's weirdo outsider music. And so it didn't sell well, obviously. Right. And he's like, you know, 
like Larry, Larry is, is his real name. He's like, Larry, you're not going like you're not going to make money off of this record until I make money and I'm losing money on this record. So, yeah. So Larry went nuts and uh, anyway, almost killed Frank Zappa's kid. And whoa, I know he threw something at him. And anyway, so so then he he moved on. And he worked with other artists like Barnes and Barnes and Mark Mothersbaugh and. Um, anyway, so he has a couple other albums, uh, that were recorded and produced by them. Uh, but most of his life after like 86, he was just uh, like a homeless guy, um, that lived in and out of, um, halfway houses and stuff. And, um, sometimes he lived with different family members, but most of his family like can't stand him because... He sings constantly, and he's also uh, kind of scary. So, <laughs> dang. Um, so anyway, um, it sounds perfect for you to cover. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. So I didn't know, I didn't know about him at all until 2006, when I was uh, leaving to go on a mission for my church, and I organized this big for a well show, and I asked uh, one of my favorite bands to reunite for it. And they did three of those members happened to be like kind of taking care of Wildman Fisher at the time wow. in LA. Um, they just like looked him up and then they were like, Hey, we'll hang out with you. Hey, here's like food. Um, like wow. if you need a ride somewhere, let one of us know, we'll take care of you. Cause we all love what you do. So they, Introduced me to Wildman Fisher at that time, and they were like, hey, can Larry come with us? And, like, could he maybe play? And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Like, I just found out about this dude, but I love him. And uh, and that was his last show, actually. And he hadn't played a show in, like, I think close to 10 years oh, before man. that. Wow. And then he played this one show in 2006. He had an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel. A couple years later, but that wasn't like a full set, and it was because Jimmy Kimmel's a fan of Wildman Fisher. Oh wow! But he couldn't make. He, I don't know. They did this bit that was I felt like was kind of disrespectful huh. to him. They were like, "Here's some of the new talent in Los Angeles," and they bring out this guy who's like actually homeless oh. to sing a song, and they're like, "Wow, LA's full of talent." <laughs> oh man. Um, anyway, so. Uh, when I decided I wanted to do a tribute to Wildman Fisher, I called up my friend Blair, who is one of the people who was uh, close to him within the last like two or three years before he died. And he said, uh, I, I asked him, hey, like, is it disrespectful of me to like sing like Wildman Fisher? Because I, kn- I know that it would be disrespectful for me to do, like, a tribute to Wesley Willis and sing like Wesley Willis. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing. And he's like, actually, no, Wildman Fisher loved, or, like, just thought it was really funny when people would sing like him. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes me feel a lot better. And then he told me this story. This is what I'm getting to. Oh, okay. He says, in the last two years years or so before Larry died, he converted to Christianity and he was, he was Jewish, uh, his whole life, but he converted to Christianity the last few years of his life. He's like, I don't know what denomination he's like. I think it was like a born again thing. Anyway, he got kicked out of church for singing too much. And the pastor told him that the way he sings is offensive to God. <laughs> Which is like so sad oh and also God. like so funny and so just like oh god it just yeah. like it just like comes all together. He got kicked out of school <laughs> for singing. He got kicked out of his family for singing. You know, can't the man just? Sing? He just wants to <laughs> sing. And, wow, yeah. I, I guess so. For those that don't know, hi, my name is Ryan. Is just you singing? It's just uh, me singing. Yeah. yeah, just so yeah. to make things clear for folks. Yeah, and I've seen other people cover Wildman Fisher songs, but they always make it their own, which is good. Right. Like I said earlier, I only really like a cover if it's done that way. But this is a tribute act. Yes. For one, for, for one night, yeah. me as Wildman Fisher, and I'm very excited. 
about it, especially to in some way get his blessing to, that's, yeah. to sing like him. <laughs> um, that's really great. Uh, but Ryan Avery, thank you so much for coming down here to the studio and uh, recording this episode of Band Basics with us. I, I think, you know, you offered a lot of uh, wise gems of advice, um, you know, uh, and some 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 nice stories too. So thank you. Yeah, really appreciate it. You're tuned into Band Basics, a Yabium podcast. Our theme music was composed by JJ CNV. Uh, stay tuned for the myriad of other podcasts we offer through Yabium. Check some out. We have the Mortician's Daughter and Price Fighting Kangaroo. So for all of us here at Yabium, have a good one. So right here during this break, I'll probably be playing one uh, some song that you end okay. up wanting to, whichever you want it to be. Okay. You should play a ska song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Just, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Two-tone on yeah. it. Yeah. Something. Um, okay. Um,